Hello, friends. I'm Eric Nance, and you are listening to episode 32 of the Our Weekly Highlights podcast. Today, we are covering the highlights for issue 2021-W12, released on March 22nd, 2021. This week's issue is curated by Miles McBain, with help from the Our Weekly team members and contributors. The immense value of developing open-source software on both the technical and community dimensions is apparent in many of the resources shared in each issue of R Weekly. While much of the focus in developing tools and packages in the open is on how others in the community can fix bugs and contribute to new features via code, that is only one possible way of enhancing a project. For instance, one of the valuable methods mentioned during my recap of the R OpenSci Community Contributing Guide in episode 24 is enhancing existing documentation or creating new resources of how to use the functions and methods in an R package accessible to new users. This is especially important when a new tool or package brings to the forefront a new user interface, API, or structure to accomplish a given task. In 2019, software engineer from our studio, Richion, took on the immense task of developing a new package for table generation in R called GT. Motivated by multiple sectors in the R community longing for a simple, and you might say tidy, way of constructing robust tables with succinct R code while having the ability to customize the finished product to meet various requirements. In fact, GT itself implements a grammar of tables similar in principle to the grammar of graphics offered by ggplot2. Over the lifespan of GT, we are seeing many in the community produce some visually stunning tables, such as the entries to our studio's recent table contest that I discussed in episode 20. The current reference documentation is certainly able to get you started with the overall table creation paradigm, but there is something to be said about having a set of case studies or recipes, if you will, to quickly find a solution to a particular task. Enter the brand new GT cookbook authored by our studio's Thomas Mock, our first highlight for today. If anyone outside the GT development team has a technical know-how and experience to take this effort on, it is definitely Thomas. In episode 5, we covered his brilliant take on implementing 10 guidelines for better table creation with GT, and his recent blog posts have taken GT to amazing directions using real-world sports statistics data and the like. The fact that this online cookbook has been made released for free is amazing enough, as the content inside would be more than appropriate for a published book, Many of the most common tasks a user faces when creating a table are addressed head-on in this cookbook, such as applying custom formatting to selected columns, like percentage and currency, adding summary rows for groups, conditional styling of particular table cells meeting certain criteria, and more. And if that wasn't enough, Thomas has even authored an advanced GT cookbook linked in this episode's show notes containing awesome techniques like harnessing HTML for additional styling and interactivity. 
it is amazing to have this available as you are learning the nuts and bolts of how to create robust and visually pleasing tables with GT. And it's another credit to how a simple or maybe not so simple enhancement to documentation can go a long way to helping with the uptake of an important package in this pipeline. This is certainly not the first highlight and probably not the last highlight that Thomas will be featured with in our weekly. For as long as I can remember, the number one topic that's part of any small talk with colleagues before a work meeting is about the current weather. Certainly what constitutes good weather is generally universal. However, there's always a subjective component, especially when location is part of the picture. But if you really want to impress your friends with a fresh take on these discussions, you could draw inspiration from data analytics manager Terrace Kaduk and his data-driven approach to figure out just which areas of the world are most pleasant to live in, the subject of our second highlight for today. A multitude of weather data sources are prevalent online, but Terrace has tapped into a source that I was not aware of until reading his detailed analysis called the Global Summary of the Day from the National Centers for Environmental Information, or NCEI for short. Terrace then created his own definition of pleasant days, in which the daily low and high temperatures fall into certain ranges, building on an, entire, on an earlier analysis he blogged about in 2019, and is visualized with a series of donut charts and summarized with interactive tables and maps showing the top 50 pleasant and not so pleasant cities across the world. All of the code for producing these summaries is readily available on GitHub, and it even uses the powerhouse Drake package by Will Landau to manage the entire workflow, which is sure to please one of the biggest fans of Drake and Targets who happens to be the curator for this issue. One interesting pattern evident in the rankings is how many contiguous groups originate from the same regions, such as the subtropical highland and warm summer Mediterranean regions. Next time you're in the midst of a small talk session about weather, you could do a lot worse than bringing up a data science and analytical approach to bring a breath of fresh air into the conversation like Terrace has done in this excellent blog post. Rounding out our highlights for today, the ways that concepts like functional programming can be applied to any aspect of a data analysis are only limited by the analytical imagination. If you have incorporated tidy principles in your data analysis, you may have utilized packages like PER and dplyr to perform statistical modeling and visualization across groups of a data set with short and expressive code as documented in the R for Data Science book written by Garrett Grohlman and Hadley Wickham. This paradigm ties closely with another concept that seemed somewhat unusual to me until I actually tried it out. The idea of using a data frame to capture list columns for organizing a series of related objects, such as the aforementioned model results or even other objects containing custom datasets or visualizations. Of course, like most operations in R, every single object takes a slice of the host computer's memory pie with only a finite amount to go around. Even though the same functional programming doesn't depend on the size of said groups, 
How can you keep the same simplicity and expressiveness without revamping your entire processing? Statistician Bruno Rodriguez, whose insightful take on serverless dashboards was featured in episode 30's highlights, embarked on a quest to apply these principles to import a massive data sets contained in over 15,000 Excel spreadsheets from a collection of emails in the Enron corpus released years ago. Ideally, after creating the necessary functions to import and tidy up the contents of these spreadsheets using packages like Tidy Excel and other Tidyverse packages, you would simply be able to incorporate iterative calls to these functions via map in PER to house the contents of these data sets as an aforementioned list column. However, Bruno shows through comprehensive code examples in his blog post that this approach would bring a typical workstation or desktop computer to its knees. But here comes the real aha moment. Instead of importing every file and then performing the necessary statistical summaries, what if there is a way to define lazy pointers to the contents of these files as closures, a key concept from tidy evaluation? To gain a full grasp on the entire tidy evaluation suite is another adventure entirely. But in the context of this example, one can think of a closure as a way to point to potential objects in an R environment, but defer actually bringing those results into memory of an R session until deemed necessary. With this in hand, Bruno shows how a column keeping track of the closures of these datasets lets him simply execute another simple function to extract key metadata from these closures one at a time and then discard them before importing the next one in the sequence. If this sounds magical to you too, then I'm glad I'm not the only one that feels that way. But in the gains are immense here. Now Bruno is able to import the entire collection of Enron Corpus spreadsheets with largely the same tidy pipeline and not run out of memory. This is another example of an innovative idea found in an R Weekly issue that directly solves one of my biggest conundrums at my day job. And I look forward to applying the same technique with managing a collection of large data frames used in one of my production Shiny applications. Kudos to Bruno for sharing more excellent techniques like this. And you are invited to check out both his blog and YouTube channel linked in this episode's show notes for even more great tutorials about R. And those are your R Weekly highlights for today. Miles has put together another jam-packed curation with enough brilliant content to level up your R adventures, such as using the DBMISC package to enhance the integration of SQLite databases in Shiny, using virtual machines in the cloud to check R package builds on Windows, simplifying geospatial features in R with the SF and R map shaper packages, and much more. If R Weekly is bringing you new ways to enhance your R journey in work or personal projects, we would welcome your support. You can find links to how to contribute small donations to our team at our main site at rweekly.org, as well as complete details on joining our talented group of curators. 
And thank you for listening to this humble podcast. And don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at the RCast. If you have any comments or suggestions for the series going forward. Have a great week. And we'll be back here with another batch of our weekly highlights next week.